3: And tonight on PM Express, a conversation about the state of the nation as portrayed by the President Nanado Danko Eko It's the President's last but one address to Parliament on how he has run the affairs of the nation so far. So what picture has the President been painting of the nation to Parliament and... And tonight we want to do a reality check of all the things President Ekofoado has been saying. So he started, uh, in fact, today he, uh, did, uh, he didn't He did follow the pattern. He started on security, in fact, security in the sub-region before narrowing it down. But let's talk about the economic issues that he raised. He said the macroeconomic indicators are pointing in the right direction. Inflation, which peaked at 54.1% in December, has reduced to twenty-three percent 5%. Real GDP growth for the first three quarters averaged 2.8% higher than the targeted growth of 1.5% for 2023 and he talked about the CD remember that's a very uh, interesting conversation you and I want to hear. He said the C D has been largely stable since February 2023, with a cumulative depreciation of nine percent between February and December 2023. Tonight we'll be fact-checking that. Gross international reserve, uh, he said, is reflected a significant build-up at the uh, 5.9 billion U S dollars, enough to cover. months for importers of goods. Now, he talked about the energy uh, sector and that's also a big conversation because you and I Want our lights on all the time? The energy sector debt, he says, has reduced considerably. Remember, he said the IPP debt was not 1.6 billion as reported by the media, but rather was 1.2 billion dollars. I mean, there's been conversations about this particular issue because it has to do with power. Now, government, he says, has reached a commercial agreement on headline terms to restructure power purchase agreements and arrears with some IPPs to save some 9.1 billion US dollars. And ECG has been able to secure a fixed monthly energy purchase price with all the IPPs. I mean, if this is true, we'll be checking all of that uh, for you tonight. Now he talks about uh, broadly the energy sector. He says we've managed to keep the light on these last seven years and which the minority has been challenging uh, since he made this comment. Current national access to electricity he says is 88.85%. 207 communities he said were connected to the great in 2023 and Ghana is aiming to achieve a, a universal access in 2024. Now He talks about security and uh, which many are questioning. Why did he not follow his pattern of starting with the economy? Today, he started on the uh, security foot and he started from the sub-region. He said government has quickened the retailing of security agencies against threats. He says the government has ensured expansion of security agencies and Ghana is the only coastal state along the Gulf of Guinea with no record on terrorist attacks. Uh, he goes ahead about chieftaincy and disputes that uh, cause for worry. In fact, he mentions BOKO, an alluring magnet to mischief makers and extremists. That's how he puts it. He says governments in the past year have taken measures to resolve the BOKO chieftaincy. And then he spoke about the radio stations, he says, uh, is uh, propagating hate speech in the Upper East. Reason it's been shut down. And then he, he, he warns all of us or he urges all of us to take the See Something, Say Something campaign that was launched by the National Security Ministry uh, some time ago. He says we should take it serious. Now, let's talk about democracy generally, and the president has been speaking about that. He says Ghana continues to give maximum support to ECOWAS and AU in this direction, and he says West Africa is under threat of terrorism and violent extremism. And he goes ahead to talk about election 2024. Much interested by so many of you, all of us are interested about how peaceful election 2024 will be. The president has categorically stated that he will ensure those free, fair, and peaceful elections. And he has a warning for the EC. He says it must ensure credible and peaceful elections. He says the EC must work with political parties to address. Their concerns. We'll be delving into all of that this evening. But more interesting is this one that a lot of you are talking about. He says the office of the Attorney General has saved Ghana over 10 trillion in judgment debt. We'll be delving into this uh, situation. 10 trillion, that can do a lot of uh, things for Ghanaians. We'll be fact checking as well, and we'll be uh, going into that issue then he talks about the kind of jobs that the one district one factory has produced and he says it stands at 170,000 not only that he talks about the proposal before cabinet in terms of the film industry. It says favorable fiscal regime for cinema projects, including income tax and VAT incentives. All of that, he says, is before cabinet, and cabinet is dealing with it. Import duty exemptions on film production equipment. So tonight, we ask, what really is a true state of the nation. I'll be joined in the studio by ranking member on foreign affairs committee in parliament and MP for Not Tong Samuel Okujeto Ablakwa. I would also be joined by Godfrey, uh, Professor Godfrey Bockmin, who is a professor of economics and uh, a professor of economics and also a professor of finance at the University of Ghana Business School. Would we'll also be joined tonight by Dr. John who who is a political analyst. He's a CDD fellow in governance. He would also be joining us. And then later in the discussion, we'll be joined by a member of the governing NPP. My name is Aisha Brian. Let's settle for the conversation after this break. And welcome to. Express we are discussing President Ekofuado's last but one state of the nation address to Parliament. Remember PM Express is brought to you by Syntex tanks. It is strong, it is tough. Alomo Beatres experience greatness in every moment. Ghana AIDS Commission is also a sponsor. Pepsodent, Every smile matters. With syntax tank, no matter your water needs. Syntax Tank has it all. Syntax Tank is first to introduce double-layer tank, and now you can have as many layers as you want. Syntax Tank is first to introduce white inner-layer tanks in Ghana. We now introduce to you the customer specs over which lets you order any color and size of preference and SYNTEX TANK gives you the longest warranty of seven years, which no other tank gives you in Ghana. So whatever your water consumption size of project or demand, choose SYNTEX TANK. We have agents nationwide. Call them on 0244-335-168 or shop online at SYNTEXGH.com. SYNTEX TANK, a strong, a tough, with Pepsodent Cavity Fighter. It it is fortified with fluoride and microcalcium ingredients, sealing tiny an invisible holes in your teeth. This prevents cavities. It keeps your teeth strong and mouth healthy. Pepsodent cavity comes in 175 grams, big family pack 120 grams, a jack pack and 65 grams and 12 grams sachets so you can always get what you can afford at any time. Don't just use toothpaste that brushes your teeth. Use Pepsodent that protects your teeth, Pepsodent is recommended by the Ghana Dental Association. Pepsodent gives you the opportunity to talk to a dentist for free. Call uh, toll free 0800 uh, 000. You can get Pepsodent at any shop near you. Let me welcome you. Uh, Blackwa, who is MP for NOTON? He's a ranking member on the Foreign Affairs Committee. And let me say, welcome, uh, gentlemen, Dr. Osain Kwapon and Professor Buckman, who's also joined virtually. Grateful for your time. Let me begin with you uh, by picking uh, generally your uh, thoughts on the president's address tonight. And I'll start with you, Professor Buckman, as the President tells us that our IMF deal will not be affected, still intact, even with a change in minister.
4: Good evening to our co-panelists, and um, good evening to our uh, cherished listeners. Yeah, so I think uh, it has been a the moment. Um, uh, I want to put it this way. Um, there's something unique about all that is happening because the first the president's first state of the nation address was heavily also about imf program and probably the last state of the nation address of the president is also heavily about the imf program so what progress have we really made in the the last seven years as a country Um, on the substantive issue i don't think that uh, the mere change of the minister of finance would affect the IMF program. They will not. Uh, more so, um, the current or the substantive minister of finance is an insider. He's not really an outsider. And he's been a, a, a part of government. Uh, uh, and therefore, I do not think that the change would uh, would affect how the IMF program would go. And that is the more reason why the president should have uh, effected this change long ago. Right? It's, it's just too late. And I don't think that it's going to have any impact on the economy, except that they are preparing for election, rather. So, because if you look at the previous um, IMF-supported program that the current president inherited, um, it was a different person who led the negotiation, essentially. It was led by Professor Sibotri, and and it was implemented by Honorable Sir Even that, the government that negotiated that program and started implementation for almost one year, um, lost power, and a different government altogether how to come and continue. So I don't think that the change, the president was right, that the change would not have any material effect on the IMF-supported program. But what we should rather be mindful is how uh, uh, the, the election, uh, as the election heats up, particularly in the last quarter of 2023, how we manage the economy, especially the fiscal side. Uh, not only from central government but then you're also looking at it from ministry department agencies and state owned enterprises all put together if you look at if you adopt a general government approach to accounting for debt and all the issues, how we manage that will be more fundamental to the, the future of the IMF supported program. I think that's where the focus will be. But on a, on a more substantive issue, uh, if you look at the the first state of the nation address that the president gave in twenty 20- 2017, and then the one in 2024, you see clearly that um, there's a lot uh, missing. Let me let me put it that way. And I was expecting to see the progress that the president was going to report to us on the fights um, against Galamsey, right? Which dominated the headline in in 2017. Um, I didn't see that. I don't know whether the president will get another opportunity to tell us. Uh, how we have worked hard to preserve our natural reserves, uh, resources, uh, or nature as a whole, and then also you will see that the, the 2017 State of the Nation Address was heavy on the economy because the statistics did did not look that good, and therefore we majored on that, in more or less trying to make the outgoing government look some way and all of that. Okay, so we draw so much on the statistics, the fiscal deficit the exchange rates, where inflation was, and all of that. But then, fast forward seven years down the line, if you look at the fundamentals in terms of the state of our debt, the fiscal deficit, exchange rate depreciation, and the rest of them really it's as do, we, we have essentially put the stone where we picked it from 2017.
3: He says the microeconomic indicators are pointing to the right direction. Let me ask you this directly. Are they pointing at the right direction?
4: no. No. And if, I, if you look at the tomb, in fact, in the past 25 years or so, or let's say the past 32 years, Ghana has been laying a foundation. I don't know what kind of building we want to put on that foundation that is taking us more than 32 years. And we are still laying foundation. We are still restoring. We are still rebuilding. Every four years, we talk about rebuilding, restoring, correcting. Okay, so it's very difficult to actually see the incremental progress that we are making, which would translate to improvement in the real lives of people. We should be interested to know how many people have we lifted out of poverty in the last seven years. How have the standard of living of Ghanaians improved? Let's not take it for granted that what has happened from the third quarter of 2021, to date which also resulted in the domestic debt exchange has never happened in our history before and we should not underestimate the impact of that domestic debt exchange and the numerous taxes that Ghanaians have had to go through well, since i started monitoring data and interacting with people in this country i've never seen in my life at a time where so many people want to leave this country professionals the, the slightest opportunity they want to go you see them during the day at the embassies. In the evening, you see them at the airport. They are living. I think that the, 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 we the, we need to go beyond that, and I want to believe that uh, we, we. I don't think that we have made much progress. And if you see what the president is recounting, and that is what our leaders have been doing in the last couple of years, we are counting projects. We are counting project physical things here and there but how all of this work together to improve life with that that disconnect okay is there we are not able to put all of that together to see how at the end of the day, this actually impact human life because whether waiting on a tax
1: return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season life can help
4: it's about human beings. So when we talk about development, when we talk about progress, it must, it must impact people. So we talk about the five P's. Development must impact people. It must reflect peace. It must reflect partnership, prosperity, and it must also preserve the planet Earth. So let's ask our president, the government, whether the progress we are talking about here has preserved our planet Earth. And that is why I talked earlier about our fight against galamsey. Galamsey. How has this impacted people? Because you know you can talk about GDP, but I have said it time and again that the mere fact that GDP is positive and and and, and is growing necessarily doesn't mean that all is well with Ghanaians. Okay, we are talking about a metric, a proper one that goes beyond GDP. We, we we are no longer going to celebrate GDP growth because it, it doesn't necessarily imply that. Uh, 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 standards of living or development has arrived or has come in the rest of them. So I think that, um, uh, and I am not to believe that the president knows very well that uh, uh, things haven't gone well, especially how we manage COVID and then the election and all that happened. And then if I, what what really typifies the lack of leadership is the fact that collectively, we fail to recognize the science much or when it matters most and we have said that the optimal time for Ghana to have requested an IMF program was actually in the third quarter of 2021. Ghana and Kenya exited COVID, having a similar economic fundamentals in terms of debt challenges and the rest of them. The difference Kenya didn't have to do a haircut, okay, and domestic one for that matter was, was that Kenya proactively reached out to the IMF soon after COVID, COVID-19, okay, and, and, and secured Uh, 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 a um, three-year extended credit facility worth over $3 billion. At that time, Ghana chose pride. When the call was optimal, the time was optimal, we failed to do so. And I want to believe that that is where the leadership failed Ghana. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had to go through the kind of um, uh, um, um, restructuring, especially the domestic debt exchange that we went through.
3: And that's that's huge. Mm. I'm grateful, uh, Professor Brockman, for laying the foundation for us uh, on the economy. Let me bring in uh, uh, Okujetua Black And I must say that uh, uh, Frank Anodonpre was billed to be on this show, but due to last minute circumstances beyond our control, I'm told that a member of the NPP will be joining us. Uh, I will be announcing him to you shortly. But let me ask you, were where your expectations met today?
5: Well, good evening to you, good evening to the panel and to all distinguished viewers. Um, I must be very honest with you that the president left me uh, terribly disappointed um, as a member of parliament from the North Town constituency, which is the epicenter of the uh, spillage by the VRA from the and Bong dams, which really is, been the biggest national disaster um, in recent years. I am totally shocked that the president did not say a word. I've gone through the entire address, I listened to him attentively in the chamber, and I couldn't believe it, that the president did not have any word of empathy, he did not express any plans for resettlement, for compensation. We are talking about 40,000 of our fellow citizens displaced, according to NADMO. Uh, In my constituency alone, 12,633 people displaced. As we speak, thousands of our fellow citizens are living in refugee-like tents. They are living in abject destitution. They have their entire livelihoods destroyed. Their houses have been damaged. According to NADMU, about 1,540 houses totally destroyed by the floodwaters. And the president, who really has... (coughs) Um, such a tremendous reputation for expressing empathy, particularly when similar disasters or disasters even on a much smaller scale occur in other jurisdictions. He's, he's among the first uh, group of world leaders who will send out the, you know, messages of solidarity, messages of empathy. And five months down the line, you're delivering the message on the state of the nation. Thousands of your citizens are living in tents, and you do not spare a thought for them. You do not express any empathy whatsoever. It is the height of insensitivity. It is the height of callousness, of of of, of lack of 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 fellow feeling. And you see, it is so unpresidential. It is so unpatriotic. It is so unGhanian. And really, to me, that is such. A sore point in this entire address and, and which really reflects a certain clear picture that this president is out of touch. He is living in a bubble. And, and and no wonder a lot of the issues he's touched on and he's 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 decided to speak about are either not accurate or they are not the germane issues that the Ghanian people want to address. I mean, the president, shockingly, did not talk about corruption, for example. Did not talk about youth unemployment. Did not talk about galamse. I mean, the major things that really are of concern to the Ghanian people.
3: He said the 1D1F has produced 170,000 jobs. You heard that.
5: Youth unemployment has been worsening. You take the population and housing census. Of 2021, they're talking about youth unemployment at 14%. A few days ago, the Ghana Social Service sounded the alarm that it is worsening. 14.7%. You know, there are millions of Ghanaian young people who have graduated from school—three years, four years, five years—they're still at home. I mean, the number of petitions that I receive on a daily basis—graduates from nursing schools, the uh, FAMD, uh, those who uh, did—you know—the doctorate in pharmacy. They've been home for years. Engineers, uh, planners, so many professionals who have studied. We've asked them to play their part, be disciplined, go to school, graduate, make sure you uh, achieve laurels. They have done their part. We are failing them. I mean, I was uh, really (laughs) bewildered when the president so to assure us that nothing would change about the IMF program and it's intact. And he, and, and he thought that we should be applauding that statement. I mean, this IMF deal is so poorly negotiated. A lot of the obnoxious taxes, which now, be, uh, he says we should describe him as a mate and that he takes no responsibility, um, all of those obnoxious taxes are contained Indeed, to give the president have
3: the opportunity to
5: respond to that. In this this, uh, negotiated IMF deal, including, many people do not know, that the worsening unemployment is because of what has been agreed with the IMF, a total freeze on public sector employment. So I rather wanted to hear an effort to renegotiate this very bad deal. I mean, the financial haircuts that people have been forced to take Pensioner bondholders, the suffering of senior citizens, the middle class is being wiped out. And Professor Bokpin is right. We all have mates, we all have uh, colleagues who are living in droves. I mean, as ranking member of the Foreign Affairs Committee, when uh, you you look at the data, you talk to uh, ambassadors, high commissioners, and they tell you how they are inundated the number of people who are applying for visas, and who are living, and are just disappointed in leadership. I mean, I, 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 I really, uh, listening to the president today, I could not wait for December 7th, because he clearly has no um, magic wand in these last few months. He has no practical solution. There is no pragmatic approach. He only acknowledges that uh, if you look at the... Uh, his, his last words, uh, the last paragraph, he says, Mr. Speaker, we stumbled. Who made us stumble? All the crises we are facing, self-inflicted. You have been following us in Parliament. How many times did I not from the alarm bells about, for example, 20,000 euros on our presidential travels? The, the National Cathedral Project, 58 million dollars, the world's most, most expensive pit? Today, he, he couldn't talk about it. He had <laughs> assured the nation four years ago that in a few days, 6 March 2024, he will go commission the National Cathedral project. As we speak, that has become the world's most expensive pit. Virtually all the credible priests, the credible clergymen on that, on that, on that, on that board have, have, have abandoned the project. I mean, look at the wastage all over. Look at the dissipation of resources. Not too long ago, we've been talking about...
3: He's admitting that, yes, we made some mistakes.
5: Self-inflicted. Mistakes we shouldn't have made. Mistakes that are unpardonable. I mean, look, I'm not saying that when we were in power, eight years living in 2016, we created paradise. But at least, when we were living, we didn't leave an economy that required financial haircuts. We did not leave an economy that requires a domestic debt exchange program. We didn't leave an economy that was declared bankrupt. That was downgraded by Fitch, Moody, Standard & Poor's, giving junk status. We didn't have hospitals crying as they are today that we don't have dialysis machines. Nineteen people did not die when we were in power. Because the government, said because, it has because, done enough in because the government, government talks about one one will not release just four million cedis. Mm, a government that can spend twelve million dollars on a Japa, two million dollars on Sky Skytrain fanciful project which has not been refunded, fifty-eight million dollars on, uh, on 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 the the, the, the national cathedral, two hundred and forty-three million dollars on an uh, ongoing. Uh, uh, africa games i mean when morocco sp- few years ago spent 46 million euros uh, you take what even australia did recently by pulling out entirely from hosting the commonwealth games because you're saying that the economy is not in a good place and you can't even compare their economy to the mess that we find ourselves so we are where we are because of bad leadership look ghana has never been in this place the level of destruction, the level of corruption, the level of despondency, it is just unprecedented. And that is why I am clear in my mind that on December 7, 2024, the Ghanaian people are going to show this government the exit. They will not give President Akufado a third term by voting for Baumia. The, the, they, they clearly have to leave. They the president any, actually any has made a
3: very good case for the free SHS. You were a deputy minister for education. I'll come back to you because I'm told the communications director of the NPP, Richard Ahayangwa, has joined us. I'm grateful for your time. Um, how would you explain this? Because listening to uh, Honorable Kujetua he talks about a more satisfactory address by the president if he had spoken about corruption, galamsey, and even how he was going to turn the unemployment rate round, especially in, in, in his constituency, the MEPE uh, uh, and Norton issues we had with the VRA.
6: Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Ash and uh, good evening to... Um, my co-panelist i i think that um uh, he makes a good point when he said that president didn't mention that um but then that's really because you cannot necessarily or possibly mention everything uh, but do, think- those are
3: critical areas that everybody is interested corruption recently we've had a back and forth on where we are as a country on the corruption index that's a very important issue. Gallam says it's an issue that the president himself put his uh, presidency on the line for. So you can't rule out these areas.
6: Well, I've only just said a few words, so if you allow me. Um, so if you if go on that uh, tangent, we'll would we'll have to include possibly everything, because uh, everything is important. And so okay, let's just agree to say that, yes, he didn't mention Meper, he didn't talk about Gallum, say whatever else that we want him to talk about, simply because he cannot possibly talk about everything. And so whilst I agree with him okay. that though, though he should he should mention something like that, practically you can't mention everything. But on Meper, I think that the president has demonstrated enough commitment uh, by his presence there Um and then also in making provision for some 220 million Ghana cities to be allocated for the resettlement of the people. So uh, to my my good brother, the idea and the commitment to help with the resettlement of the people has been provided for in the 2024 budget, and the president is committed to that. And so uh, it's a question of trying to see... The, the, the implementation of that. So without mentioning it, he's made provision for it. And my point uh, that I want us to agree on is that not everything can possibly be mentioned in that. I think the president made a point at some point when he was talking about the development effort of this government saying that if he wants to go line by line and mention those, we possibly could not have finished uh, that address today. So let's agree. That is not everything that can't possibly be given uh, mention in this states, a limited time to, to give an address. So an overview, which I can tell you that touches on the key issues, makes very significant admission uh, about where we are, what we are doing to bring the economy back. I think that we should focus on.
2: Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket?
4: what
6: is in it and what we can derive from it as a country going forward and analyze those rather than you know, focusing on what is not in it.
3: Yeah, what I kind of say, signal was the uh, uh, president? What signal did he want to uh, give to Ghanaians by omitting some of these things?
6: So let's not, let's not uh, belabor the point. I think I've, I've made an indication to say that if you want to, you cannot include everything. And so our analysis should not be about what is not in it, but what is in it. Let's talk about what is in it and do the analysis because then we can just we can just be speculating about why he didn't put it in. It's, that will not get us anywhere. Okay. So let's do the substantial thing of analyzing what is in it. Okay. Um, I think the point... For me, if you want me to talk about what my highlights were, I can talk about that. But I want to just say a bit about Professor Boppin's uh, submission, uh, which I have a little uh, slight concern with. You see, on one hand, he says that oh, uh, the economy in 2017, when the president gave Sona talked about you know uh, IMF, and then on this penultimate address, you know, it was also heavy on IMF and then so literally just criticizing government going to imf for support not being you know the ideal thing to do which then is surprising to me when he he gets to a point where he's saying that third quarter 2021 was the ideal time for the government to go to imf i was thinking that consistent with his thinking to say that we should not go to IMF, but we should manage the economy ourselves.
3: Your finance active. minister said he wasn't going to IMF at a point. Exactly. He thought it wise So, to go. Go. so yes, Asha, Asha, an economist can making, also suggest
6: Asha, that. Asha, I'm actually going to make the point you're, you're, you're making to say that Professor Park, consistent with his belief that this government should have gone to IMF, because that was a critique from the beginning, should have actually agreed with the government to say that in 2021, we believed that we can solve the problem ourselves, which he referred to as pride. It wasn't pride. It was the belief that as Ghanaians, we must divine our solutions. We must figure out our policy alternatives to be able to solve our problems by ourselves, which was the path that we took. And the finance minister rightly said that we prefer not to go to IMF. We rather solve the problem ourselves, which for me, I think, is a progressive uh, leadership decision. I, I get a
3: sense that he was trying to paint a picture of reality that if you decided to go to IMF, then that was the right time to go. But you see, so the
6: right time to go, which he says is the right time to abandon the decisions that you can make to solve your own problems. So you, when you identify this the right time, you're just saying that it's right time for me not to solve the problem. Because when you are in difficulty, you apply your own resources and get to a point, if you cannot, you are, after all, a member of the IMF, then you can go there for the necessary support. But by all means, you must demonstrate your own capacity to be able to do it. Okay? So that's something I think that, based on his... You know, argument in the initial stages saying that we picked it from here and we left it here, he should have recognized that the government didn't necessarily want to go there. We didn't want to take the easy path. We wanted to stand on our own two feet as a people to be able to figure out solutions to our own problem. And I submit to you that but for the contentious nature of the level conversation in parliament, if, they, if that had gone on smoothly, we would have been in a place where the resources we needed to carry through 2021, uh, 2022, uh, in the budget 2022, we would have prevailed and not be in the situation we're in at a point where eventually we'd we'll have to go to um, the IMF in July of 2022.
3: I, I spoke so, about this.
6: Okay. So okay wrap it up actually has the idea of trying to deal with these problems. And, and the point that ought to also be made is that before, okay, uh, Professor Botkin did not make that admission, which for me is very concerning, that before we got to that point in 2021, there were events that happened that the first three years of this government uh, uh, in the first term was very successful. The economic indicators, the macroeconomic indicators, were performing very well. The lowest, the lowest inflation on record in this fourth of public about seven point six percent or so was recorded, and then everything went out of uh, alignment with the the happening of COVID nineteen, exacerbated with the uh, Russia Ukraine war. Those admissions, as as a, as as a professional or as a, as as a finance person, they need he needs to make those admissions. Then we can
3: progress and I do think, the analysis. I think gone it's beyond important. COVID and ukraine no, and I, the reality uh, asha, is before us now asha, i am not be- I'm, I'm actually just
6: making because if you are making a time series analysis of events that have led to where we are you cannot jump that critical happening you can have your own argument about how it was managed but you have to acknowledge. And therefore, when you say that it wasn't managed well, then you profile your solution, your alternative. So I think that in having an honest conversation, we need to account for that. But you see, we've gone past that. The government... Have the president makes significant admissions today which my brother or to a blackout, has admitted to is saying that we stumbled that stumbled
3: a, a, a very important uh, point that the president made of course uh, there's been a lot of conversations about the free shs the president whilst uh, applauding the NPP government for running a smooth free shs he says that we should find ways of improving it and um, Yes. I mean, what was going through your mind? You are a deputy, uh, former deputy education minister.
5: Uh, you, you allow me to just quickly respond to some of the points that okay, uh, my sure. brother Richard has, has made. Um, let's be very frank and sincere with ourselves. When Richard says that the president couldn't have touched on everything, Richard is virtually telling us, that the 40,000 Ghanaians who are displaced, their plight doesn't matter. Because, yes, you cannot speak to everything, but you speak to the issues that are important, the issues that matter. And if a national disaster on this scale, of this proportion, The President did not find it worthy to speak to this. Already, Richard talks about the allocation in the budget. Yes, there's a difference between an allocation which Parliament has approved and an actual release by the Executive. As we speak, there has been no release of that allocation. February is coming to an end. It's five months now. I expected the contingency fund to have been brought to bear to Ameliorate the plight of the people. If, as individuals, MP, uh, f- corporate Ghana, NGOs, foundations, embassies, we've been able to, in our own small way, construct houses that have been able to house 600 people, a whole government, the president, the custodian of our taxes, of our national resources, not a PESWA, and then On a major occasion, like the message on the state of the nation, in compliance with Article 67 of the Constitution, the president didn't think that such a major disaster, your fellow citizens, thousands across many constituencies, across regions, to just even a word of empathy. Richard should not...
3: But he's uh, been there. Richard should not aggravate the situation. He has been there, he's empathized with the people, so we should, life goes on, we Richard,
5: should on. Richard should not compel us to even um, open old wounds. When he came, what did he tell us? That we don't vote for him. If he was about votes, he would not be there. I mean, statements that have been roundly condemned, things he should never have said. He repeated it recently when the the chiefs of a Confi called on him. Look, this president has not treated us fairly, and he continues on this path. And I think that people like Richard, who come from the Volta region, in his party, should be honest to look the president in his face and tell him that, look, Mr. President, you are not treating the people of the Volta region, where Richard and all of us come from, with dignity, with respect. We are all taxpayers, and you should not... So what Richard is is doing this evening is even more offensive. Let me take and, a break and, and on PM Express, and then when I come back, that we'll path. delve into I, I the free
3: SHS conversation. I, 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 uh, please stay uh, stay on with me. I still have Dr. Kwapon, who is also a political scientist and a governance expert. Uh, I will be picking your thought after this break. Uh, please stay. Welcome back to PM Express. We're still uh, digesting. The State of the Nation Address by President Ekofoado, which he delivered to Parliament today. Uh, let me quickly bring in Dr. Osain Kwapong before I give the politicians opportunity to delve into the free SHS uh, situation. Your quick impression of the President's speech today?
7: Yeah. Good evening. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, for me, the you know the President picked um, the things that he you know he wanted to highlight. Um, obviously, there are other key issues that others would have loved, you know, or felt it important enough uh, to, you know, to make it part of his address. I was particularly struck by the amount of time in the beginning of the speech that was dedicated to the issues of um, security. Um, I saw that as a reminder uh, to the Ghanaian people that. Particularly if you think of the current happenings in the West Africa sub-region, um, that um, it was important to give it some thought and some reflection to realise that, given what is surrounding us, um, that you know at least when it comes to the safety and security, you know, of the nation and the fact that the government is in full control, uh, that we were in a good position from. From that angle, because that lack of security then could present other challenges, you know, on other matters of governance, the economy, etc., etc., etc. There was also then the tying it into of that uh, with you know um, the challenges that the sub-region is facing, you know, when it comes to democracy, um, the importance of elections, um, and the fact that we need to um, you know continue to safeguard you know our democracy it was interesting to hear him mention what the theme of the 20 uh, this year's uh, six months celebration is going to be which is our democracy upright. pride um, so for me that is the the key thing yes there were other issues that the president mentioned but the reason why the security but more importantly the democracy piece is what uh, for me Um, is going to inform my reflection over the next several days is because our democracy, and I agree with the president that, yes, um, he didn't use this expression, but I have regularly said that Ghanaians have made their peace with democracy. If you look at some of the attitudes and sentiments we've expressed about democracy and democratic norms in the Afrobarometer survey. But at the same time, we are also expressing some real angst about You know how democracy is working Um, our democracy is facing uh, some challenges Uh, if you look at the most recent 2023 democracy index from uh, the economic intelligence unit you do see a certain amount of deterioration uh, in the quality of um, of our democracy and so for me uh, that is my i mean i was glad to hear the president devote some time to talking about that But I think there's a second phase of that conversation. And hopefully the theme of Our Democracy Upright provides us that opportunity to talk about the things that, you know, we are doing well when it comes to Ghana's democracy. But also have a real frank conversation about the quality of our democracy, the challenges it is facing, um, and how we deal with those challenges um, over there you know, over the next several years as we move towards democratic consolidation.
3: Great. And for me, uh, one interesting thing was the talk about elections. But let me bring in the education bit, the free SHS. And the president says, yes, uh, we've run it very well. It's showing in the performance of WASI, uh, uh, the recent one. And but he says we must work towards improving it.
5: That significantly, this is the first time the president has conceded that the free SHS policy will require an improvement. And I, and I say that, look, it's, it's a major development and the president is welcome to where all of us have been. If you've listened to um, our party, if you've listened to civil society, if you've listened to uh, educationists, practitioners, everybody has said that, look, in principle, we are all for free SHS. I mean, who wouldn't want, I mean, Free education has been part of our history as a people since, you know, uh, uh, the newly independent Ghana. I mean, Kwame Nkrumah is celebrated for his free education programs, uh, particularly as an affirmative action to bridge the gap between the north and the south. So who would not, I mean, uh, support uh, I mean, such a leveler, such an important social intervention, which you know, guarantees the, uh, if you like, uh, uh, future of our country. But we have always said that there are challenges with it. Look at the quality of education. Look at the fact that double track is still being implemented. If we had invested in infrastructure, if the e-blocks we started when we had been completed, there would be no need for double track. He said when, the
3: quality has not been affected.
5: When, 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 they, when they introduced double track, it was because... They had to respond to congestion. It was knee It was rushed. So I am glad that the president has now done a 360. He's saying that, quote, uh, the arguments about it should cease, and we should simply concentrate on finding ways to improve it, unquote. So when we have always said review, you remember that uh, uh, they twisted review to say that review means cancellation. I am glad that. Uh, we are all now at the same point where we agree that it is a great policy, but we have to improve it. Look, we can have a situation where uh, time on task has reduced. You have many students who uh, are spending more time at home than in school because of double track. You have a situation where the quality of food is just terrible. I mean, many parents, you talk to them, and there's a lot of, you know, secret payments going on um so that you can have your children survive some are having to now augment with extra classes and all of that and they are actually spending more if you even look at the various prospectus from the schools how much parents are being called upon to pay you know so i I, i'm i'm really excited that the president has joined us where we have always been that yes it's a good policy but it needs improvement and all of us need to build consensus. That's why our flag bearer, His Excellency John Dramani Mahama, has talked about having a national dialogue on free SHS so that everybody's inputs can be brought on board and we can improve the policy. And, 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 and I'm really glad that the president has finally come to where uh, we have always been standing.
3: Richard, what's the plan to, for the improvement as the president uh, uh, I mean, it's asking everybody to find a way of improving it. What's the plan from your end?
6: Uh, say uh, that his excellence the Kufarum has treated all of us as citizens fairly, lest that point not be made, that he has not treated some people fairly and has treated others fairly. I don't think that that is... Uh, a unifying comment, it's a divisive comment, I think we should encourage it. Um, the, the point I made was clear, that President has made provision to address the issue. If he didn't mention it, it was just because he couldn't have touched on everything, uh, but then it's as important to him <coughs> as anything else that he didn't mention. I think I want to be on record in making that point. Uh, on, on the free SHS, I think uh, uh, we need to also make the point that the NDC has never, in principle, been for the... Free- they have been, in principle, in support of progressing, which is different from free SHS. So that point must be made. And also the point must be made that there is a difference between the review, the NDC promises, and the improvement the President is talking about. They are not the same. Their review will aim at cancelling free SHS in we have it. Improvement will not do that. Improvement is to enhance, continue to invest in the, the free SHS to ensure that it actually addresses the cost barrier, which is its primary objective, to ensure that access is given to people like myself, people who come from my background, to be able to access education. So that is the value of the improvement that the president is talking about. So and if you that follow the he talks it? about it talks, it, it, uh, the plan uh, fundamentally would be to intensify investment and ensure that the issues is raising about infrastructure. We've built um, a considerable amount of infrastructure by continuing to invest in that, invest in teacher training. And now you see there's expansion with TVET, which is also been included in the free SHS uh, component to ensure that we are expanding opportunity to our young people to access education. And the president makes the point that perhaps... The next generation will be the most blessed generations because all these young people are put in a place that many, many of uh, uh, previous generation didn't have. That the idea of having occasion to go to school was a luxury for many. And many people like that from my background didn't have that chance, but today they, they have that to build a better future for themselves and their families. So the idea, the big idea is to sustain the free SHS, protect it, make sure nothing comes to review it, nothing comes to destabilize it, but we continue to make progressive changes to ensure that it works. Uh, My brother mentioned about food conditions and all that. We know, we hear these things about uh, the abuse of the resources that goes there, that some institutional operators will abuse the the facilities that go there, the improvement will focus on how we put in place checks and balances to ensure that allocation that is given to the who goes to address the problems that have been put in place. I've had instances where people have told me small issues, institutional conflicts between uh, the the headmaster or uh, a staff member leads to you know not uh, n- uh, lack of communication that puts the number of students there at a certain uh, n- uh, at a certain figure, but then it's less than that or it's more than that. So small small institutional frictions or uh, uh, misalignment. Create bigger problems that results in some of these food conditions that my brother is highlighting. We need improvement, administrative improvement, implementation improvement to ensure that we address all these loopholes and ensure that the students are benefiting optimally. Well, that what? is and the, the president is talking about one increase in uh, investment, ensure that uh, the the policy endures, and ensure we build infrastructure, ensure that we, we address. All the administrative bottlenecks to ensure that uh, the policy runs smoothly. We, but, we're running way, out of time, but we've
3: been giving yes, less just two minutes point. to wrap. To, yes. So just just briefly for me.
6: Okay. Just, just one small point. So the idea of review, I think that my brother and the NDC must accept. To every policy, you have to evaluate and improve on that policy. So it's never alien. To say that we need improvement in the free SHS. that is the language of policy, and the president was right when he called for that. But what he said, emphatically, that we must take note of is that the debate about its suitability, its relevance, and utility must end because it has come to show that a free SHS going forward has transformed people's life and will transform the 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 prospect of our country. Right. Let, more- let
3: me let me uh, give you the uh, one minute left. Uh, and and the president rather today tried to. Uh, Reaffirm his constitutional mandate and he says he takes responsibility for everything that has happened and uh, people felt that i mean and then he made the point that it will be only a foolish uh, president who will not listen to advice people were like was he trying to respond to the baumia mate analogy that has been topical over the period